A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Josh Brown, why does the Halo TV series trailer thing have Phil Collins in the air tonight playing? <laughs> It's <laughs> a great question, Scott Tillman. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that Halo trailer, to be honest. You have made me watch it in anticipation yeah. of this podcast, obviously, because we're going to talk you about it. You wouldn't have watched the Halo TV series no. trailer? No, I would, have, I, would have happily, I would have happily avoided it, like I did all day until the very last minute before we jumped in and started recording it. Uh-huh. And you know what? I, I regret doing even that. I don't want to be completely down today. You know, I, I am feeling still a little bit hungover after the weekend. Maybe that's why I'm in a bit of a grump. But uh-huh. I was watching it, man, and I was thinking, this couldn't be any less for me. And I love Halo, and I love video games, and I love sci-fi. I think I will very quickly say that this is the wind-up. Welcome to your happy Monday afternoon. And by the time we uh, get around to recording this, I'm Scott Taylor, joined by Josh Brown. Hello. Where we see just what's going on. And in this, in this case, there's not that much stuff we can talk about game-wise. One thing we really can't talk about at all. And then something else that I've been playing. So we're going to do the reverse of what we did last week, where last week it was all hands-on stuff, a little bit of news, more hands-on stuff. I think might have been two weeks ago. Memories are memories barely there anymore these days. But we're going to do a bit of news and then talk about um, a game that I'm playing in the middle. Then we'll do a bit more news after that. But the thing I wanted to open on was the Halo trailer, because that's doing the rounds. Paramount Plus uh, licensing the Halo um, IP because they need people to subscribe to them monthly service yada 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 you know the score but the um the trailer for that finally got shown on sunday and had a bit of a mixed reception i did yes i wasn't as negative on it as you you literally typed out to me uh this is the worst thing i've ever seen which i did i (laughs) I wasn't that negative on it but i do think it looks way too clean it looks way too made for tv Um, and i think it pales in comparison to the likes of the uh, even the test footage that neil blomkamp put together uh when he was initially tapped to direct the halo movie back in the 2000s Um, and he puts it he put a little fan film i guess you call a fan film that he put out he's like here's what it would look like if i was going to do it and it was very gritty it was shot very handheld it was all about um you know the sort of on the ground uh combat between the spartans and the um at the time the brutes and stuff and i think that sort of sold like the combat side of halo a lot better than what you see in here um but what well i was gonna say my massive negative is cortana that was the bit where i did i did the reverse of that blonde woman meme where she sort of like looks disgusted and then looks okay (laughs) i was like i don't know and then oh god what is this so i that was my biggest (laughs) negative on it but what about you well, there were so many moments like that where I was just thinking, for me, and you know what, if, if you like this, I'm, I'm so pleased. I wish I could like it. You know, I hope it's really good. I, I hope it's everything don't. you want. But, yes. um, <laughs> but when I was watching it, I, I just, it reminded me of like a fan made thing. It yes. reminded me of like a TV advert. It didn't feel, even in a trailer that's revealing the story, it didn't feel like a proper project. It didn't feel like a proper production. In my eyes, anyway, it just felt like this. This, If you told me it, it was only a trailer, if it was only a concept for something that someone was pitching i would believe you because it doesn't for me feel fully formed in that way there's something about it like you said you know the cleanness of it it looks very much like a a streamer's 
version of sci-fi, a modern <laughs> sci-fi show. You know, you've got the soft focus backgrounds, you've got mm-hmm. the kind of weird CGI, you've got the things that look almost too pristine in a lot of ways. And yeah, it just, it just, uh, you know, you can I tell can it's had money it. pumped into it. Oh, that, that, like that song get you in, mate? It didn't. When I came on, I thought, oh my Christ, <laughs> I cannot believe this. Uh, and it's just, uh, it's just one of those things that's, it looked bland and not bad. And that's almost worse. If it was just kind of like outright bad and disastrous, I would maybe enjoy it more because that's something to latch onto. I just watched the trailer and me personally, I couldn't latch onto anything. The thing is, I, I will say that at least their iconography is on point. Like, I think there's there's a couple of wide shots of the Spartans all walking together, chiefs in the middle, a couple of guys either side. Um, and that, you know, the costumes are on point, like the ships are on point. Like, you've literally taken the source material and adapted it, which is, I was saying to you before we started recording, we had so long of movie adaptations uh, from video games that just decided to try and do their own thing and do it badly, or at least not fully rely on the source material. Um, obviously, the most iconic example is the Mario Brothers movie, which was just had nothing to do with Mario Brothers other than the names and stuff and i feel like we're kind of in a time now where you know video game adaptations took a bit a few years off and now we've kind of got um, the halo tv series with the last of us tv series there's the uncharted movie coming up um, and a lot of them are just literally taking like set pieces from the games like obviously all three of these are very cinematic franchises anyway but you're taking specific things from the games and then recreating them in um you know in movie form or in in, in uh, live action form let's say and so I feel like we're on like we're embarking on this new like era of like of a lot of studios just going like is this how we do it we sort of take stuff from this yeah. and we do it again and and, and whatever but that was kind of my thing with this is that the Halo TV series is set in an alternate timeline they're changing around the uh, the order of the invasion and the way that things work with Halsey and whatever but I do that was my overall positive was was that I like them uh, relying on the iconography relying on the symbolism of Halo like you know the elite the Covenant ships look on point there's the Pelicans like well the armor looks great and um, or looks like solid enough um that's outside of the way that it's shot but whatever like yeah. the actual props look solid um and i like the idea of taking all of halo fiction and then just sort of picking different bits to do your own story and then you can remix the timeline you can do the stuff with halsey you can do why cortana meets chief what she's like means to him and like how she serves his brain in terms of him being this like damaged individual and whatever and maybe that'll be a standout positive but i think cortana herself to me looked horrendous when they do the okay. um you know <laughs> hello master chief i'm cortana i'm like oh are you like <laughs> you definitely are voice wise it's jen taylor but like yeah. doesn't look like her. it's not even blue like what are we doing no no i mean it's it's funny in classic wind-up fashion scott tilford uh, <laughs> i'm gonna agree with some of the things that you just said but explain why they actually made me more disappointed because you're completely spot on man like when it comes to the iconography when it comes to the look when it comes to mm-hmm. the kind of just pure visuals they look almost directly extracted from the games in a lot of um, ways. Or is it rendered worse adapted? somehow, but yeah. Yeah, somehow rendered worse, but at least adapted in a way that is attempting to be faithful to the source material in a lot of ways. However, that to me only highlights kind of how vacuous it is because I look mm. at something like Halo and I, and I have to ask the question, why are you adapting this? Like, what is the core of this that you're wanting to blow up? And for me here, the answer just is iconography and mm characters but it just kind of feels very shallow and again it's only a trailer but to me i just see it and it feels shallow it feels a bit artificial it reminds me of the recent um resident evil movie which positioned itself as this kind of fan service 
movie, right? It was going to get rid of the other uh, Paul W.S. Anderson films, which deviated wildly from the source material. Mm-hmm. And this was going to be faithful. You know, you had characters from the uh, original games in there. You had Leon Kennedy, you had Albert Wesker, you had Chris Redfield, you had Jill Itchy Valentine. Itchy Tasty's on the mirror, people. mate. Don't worry You've about got it. Itchy Tasty on the mirror. You've got Raccoon City. You've got the Spencer Mansion. It's a lot of iconography. It's a mm-hmm. lot of iconography faithfully recreated, mm-hmm. but by someone who doesn't feel like they have much affection for it outside. <laughs> or or more, more than that, knowledge of why people had mm. affection for it to begin with. And I see Halo, and that's what it's reflected back at me personally. I see this thing that people, that, that executives know people like, they know they like Master Chief, they know they like Cortana, they know they like all of like the, the weapons and stuff like that. So they put it in there, but they don't quite grasp why people like it. And that's the thing that I didn't get from that trailer. I didn't get the why or the understanding of why. Yeah, Resident Evil is the perfect example of what I was saying about like the um, you had a whole sort of deviation across the 2000s of trying to take source material, pluck bits and pieces from it and doing their own thing. And, and yeah, the Resident Evil series, all, all, all the stuff with Alice, all her story and everything, very much its own thing. But then bits and pieces were directly authentic. And then now, like you said, with the reboot, they were like, OK, sorry, what you guys want is this. And then doing that approach of directly lifting stuff from the source material kind of comes with it. The I would imagine corporately approved marketing strategy of like, well, we've got the fans on board and like everything yeah. we do on social media will be backed by people going like, well, it's in the games or well it's in the source material and you can fall back on them to try and uh, get people uh, in to see the movie or see the tv series obviously that didn't work with resident evil and um, but that is the only positive for halo and so like it is that thing like you said like its biggest positive is also one of its biggest negatives because that's all they ha- that's all it has going for it <clears throat> there's also the fact that it's massively out of date like halo's like um you know zenith of popularity was 15 years ago like you know it was halo 3 like that was 2007 it's like that was a long time and like halo halo yes. infinite is like solid enough gameplay is great everything else is absolutely on fire and i hate it but at least it plays well and so yeah. it's just every part of it just feels a bit mistimed and they try to get it off the ground multiple times before and now we've got this thing that's like it's just purposefully designed with the fans in mind to make people do the leo meme and i think that's what this new marketing strategy is it's just like I, if we you know if we nail the look of it you'll get an inbuilt yeah. bunch of people who will leo meme and point at the screen i know what that is <laughs> and that's all it is no, I think you're probably right. You know, I think it's really a great point to bring up the fact that, you know, they, like you said, you know, they've tried to get this project off the ground so many different times in so many different forms. Mm-hmm. We've had so many live action Halo tidbits over the years, whether it is, you know, like the fan films, whether it is the commercials and stuff. Mm-hmm. And coming after all of that, to me, it was just a little bit underwhelming. It just kind of made me think, is this what we've waited 20 years or so <laughs> for? You know, is this what we've waited decades to see? Is this your best take on it after so many takes were discarded? And hopefully, man, like, I don't want to be a cynical person. Hopefully it comes out. Everyone raves about it. I change my mind. I come on and do a public apology for this podcast specifically. <laughs> uh, but, but I'm not seeing it at the minute. No, I think as well that Halo is like anything with a silent protagonist or a largely silent protagonist. Like obviously you've got Halo 4 onwards, they massively fleshed out the Chief, but it's like, unless you're going to lean far more on that stuff, I still don't know how you make a show about Master Chief and make him the central character. And their response has been, well, we're not going to. We're sort of going to bring in these other side characters, give him, um, there's a character in there who's already quipping next to him and oh my, you're the Master Chief and whatever. And I'm just like, oh, okay, I see. I, it's, it's Hollywood 101 or it's like marketing strategy 101. Um, and it just yeah it's it's not that it it doesn't feel soulless but it does it doesn't really ignite the um 
the idea of like, oh my God, I can't wait to see what they're doing with this. We know exactly what they're doing with this. You're going to point yeah. at the stuff that you know, and it's going to be cool to see bits and pieces of it. But um, even the trailer itself wasn't really edited that well. There's a massively mistimed gunfire shot when he's taken on the, the two elites at once. Um, and there's stuff like the like the Cortana CG and the, the general look of it that just looks very made for TV. So both of us not massively warm on, on the Halo trailer, but you no. never know. There might, might be more for it. And um, we should very quickly mention um, that the, you know, because we've mentioned Last of Us Uncharted, Resident Evil. Like I said, I think there's an overall push to try and uh, do the, the fan first mentality stuff going forward with the uh, live action adaptations. Um, we should talk about Last of Us because you're massively into the idea of that. We haven't seen much of it. Seen one little yeah. screenshot from behind. Whereas I, I absolutely don't care at all. I think they'll get everything wrong. But what about you? Well, well this is the funny thing because, you know, I've just crapped all over the Halo trailer, which we've actually seen. Yeah, mm. I'm so excited for the Last of Us TV show that before we started recording this, I read the entire Wikipedia page of it in case there was some bits of information that I missed. And there was, there actually were Brilliant. a few tidbits. But it's one of those where I kind of search it every two months you know, is The Last of Us, does The Last of Us have a release date yet? And it's always, no. Why? I'm just, there's something about that that is kind of set apart from Halo. And that's because when I see Halo, I just see this show and I don't really know who is making it. I don't know mm. anything about like the people that are involved. I don't know anything, anything about the actors, anything about the creatives. Whereas The Last of Us, we've seen nothing from it, but I so inherently trust all of the moves that have been made you know, I love that it's Craig Mazin who did yep. Chernobyl. He's um, co-showrunning it with Neil Druckmann, obviously, who directed and co-wrote the games. Uh, you know, we've got Pedro Pascal as Joel. We've got uh, Bella Ramsey as Ellie. The casting has uh, kind of really excited me. You know, some of the set photos that have leaked, it looks really authentic. You can tell they're pumping a lot of money in. And for me, having the original creator on board just gives it so much more heart, even though yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it. And I do trust the people who are making it. It's coming to HBO. And there's a level of trust from the creative standpoint that I have with The Last of Us that's making me excited to see what they do with it in a way mm. that a lot of video game adaptations just just don't. Like, they don't have that, level, that, that caliber for me. If we're looking at a HBO $100 million, um, you know, primetime adaptation of The Last of Us with this cast, with these creatives, like that's so exciting to me. And I know you're not quite <laughs> as on board, but I just, there's something about it. It feels like if there was ever going to be an amazing adaptation, this would be it. You know, right. sometimes we look at, you know, cast, sometimes we look at people attached to these adaptations and you think, you know, this might be good. I look at this one and I think, I don't see how this could be better. I don't mm. see it. If they, if they mess this up, they've at least had their best shot at it. I just don't see a version of this that is better on paper than what we, they currently have. That's what I would hope for. I would hope that like HBO are letting them do whatever they want to do. You've got that insane like power combo of Mason and Druckmann. The fact that one of the original games, um, you know, like uh, lead creative directors is now doing the HBO show. That's unprecedented. I don't think that's ever happened before in terms of a literal adaptation so. and just carrying things across. I wonder what he, what his thought process is in terms of stuff that he gets rid of, um, you know, stuff that you because. That's my thing with The Last of Us is that The Last of Us 1 is so totemic and perfect and just held up there. We've talked about it loads on the podcast before, but I just don't know what a TV show can bring to this other than just feeling like all the game's cutscenes stitched together. Like, I just kind of wonder what the hell that's going to be and feel like. But yeah, I love Chernobyl, love Druckmann as a um, as a creative, and I, I am curious. I just, for me, it's that whole thing which we talked about before, which, which could be its own wind-up, to be honest, at some point, where I think that games are the absolute mecca of all creative output and films yes. are lesser. And like, that's a whole thing. We can talk about that. I just like, yeah, to me, it's, it's, it's not as, um, as like full of a work as the game can be as, as a piece, as a piece of, um, 
art. I think you've got to take something away from it to make a TV show of it. And I, uh, I'm curious how that all comes together. But we should move on to stuff because um, there's all more things to talk about. So um, we round up a few different uh, breaking stories there this morning as we put the podcast notes and stuff together. One of them um, being this full breakdown of Quantic Dream Star Wars Eclipse game by this account on Twitter called Account NGT, um, who got recently um, validated by the fact that they leaked Eclipse. I think it was last year or the year before. And then eventually the game got announced officially. So a lot of people went back to that Twitter account, realizing that they had been posting uh, truths all along. And so they posted everything they knew about the game uh, on over on a Reddit post, which has now been deleted. Is, which is always another smoking gun anyway. Um, but we can talk widely or around the the idea of a David Cage written Star Wars game um, because the project as it's detailed here is insane. So uh, I'll just run off a few things. Uh, one, development only started early in 2021, so it's not that far along. Um, Quantic Dream Montreal are working on competitive multiplayer gameplay and level design with Quantic, uh, Quantic Dream Paris, working on cinematic story, level art, and the engine. It's written by David Cage, but the writing is still in progress. Um, I mentioned multiplayer before, competitive multiplayer, because apparently this is the most ambitious thing that Quantic Dream's ever attempted before. Um, they say that they're trying something that is um, complicated and original, and there's tons of different playable characters. It's an open-world game with a non-linear storyline um, and action is compared to Jedi Fallen Order with the story and gameplay mix being inspired by The Last of Us. So it's very Sony formula by the sounds of it. It feels yes. like Sony have gone, we'll let you do this, but you've got to do it Sony style. Well, the thing, the issue with that, Scott, is that mm. Quantic Dream has never made a game like this before. <laughs> and... He says it's good. But yeah, so well... <laughs> <laughs> if it case, yet to write a compelling sentence in his life. But yeah, go on. Hey. If I'd had like three pints, maybe I'd have come out with that. Tip. Maybe that's a, a post three Heavy pints. rain was a long time ago. <laughs> well, what was I going to say? Oh, yes. The, the thing that I believe about this is the thing that um, has been reported on a few other sites as well. I think the gamer did a piece on it. And that's just that the development of this game is apparently a lot of shambles because yeah. Quantic Dream hasn't made an action game like this before. Their work is, you know, very scripted, narrative-driven experiences like Heavy Rain, like Detroit Become Human. So now they're opening that up, not just to include, you know, action as we know it in the AAA space, but they're making it an open world game. They're having mm. the story focus. They're making it inspired by The Last of Us in terms of the design in that. And for me, just looking at Quantic Dream as a company, I think that is way too ambitious for their yes. first game of this kind. And I just kind of foresee like this um, leak was kind of hinting at complex developmental problems that stop it from ever reaching that ambition. And I don't expect to see this game out for like another three years at the I, least. I said this to you on Slack. I'm calling it. I don't think this game's actually going to come out. I just, Ooh. I just, I'll be amazed if this thing is ever real because, or it'll be drastically stripped down from what it is right yes. now because Quantic Dreamer in the worst part of their career by a landslide. There was all the stuff, all the horrific stories of what was going on behind the scenes uh, in the studios themselves. There was all sorts of different uh, things that made it to court. And then David Cage apparently had an absolute tantrum when he was on the stand and refused to cooperate with the trial. There was all that stuff. David Cage somehow still in an instrumental position in regards to this production because he is lead writer. Um, but he, like I said, he hasn't, <laughs> I, I'll stand by it. He's not written a compelling sentence ever. He's like, they've gotten close. <laughs> And I like Heavy Rain a lot, but Fahrenheit uh, slash Indigo Prophecy falls the F to apart after the back in the back third. Um, what do they, what's uh, Detroit become human? Absolute yeah. joke. Beyond uh, Two Souls, absolute joke. Like <laughs> I, I can't believe the resources this man has had over his years. Um, it's insane. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, it's funny because, you know, back when Quantic Dream was like doing stuff like Fahrenheit, when doing stuff like Heavy Rain, you know, doing stuff <clears> even like Beyond Two Souls, <throat> they were like the only game in town, man. Like Telltale well, yeah, was just yeah. getting off the ground in terms of their own narrative spin on things. You know, The Walking Dead was was very early on, you know, The Walking Dead game. But now, you know, we have a lot of different studios doing this stuff, doing the same thing that Quantic Dream helped pioneer, genuinely ahead of their time. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. thought the Heavy Rain like wasn't even a game when that first came out. I remember those now we live in an era of walking simulators and stuff. However, I just don't feel like they've upped their game. I feel like they have been left behind because like you said, the writing is always, it's bordering on like interesting at times, but a lot of the times it's just like, Wow! Woof! Oh what my is God, going what, on here? What a back of the box quote, bordering on interesting. Josh Brown, the <laughs> rock culture, says that. About David, that's David Cruz's career. He's bordering on interesting. That's Occasionally, it. he gets close, but he's he's always bordering on it. That's it. That's it, man. And I feel like you know, if you're going to change lanes this drastically, like I, I don't know, it's just it's just a studio that I don't have much love for. And I will say that out the gate because of all the things you just mentioned there. You know, if you read some of the behind the scenes allegations into it, it just doesn't seem like a very um, welcoming environment at all. So I kind yeah. of look at that. I see how much they're buying off here. I look at the work, which I don't even think is all that great to begin with. And I just look at Star Wars Eclipse and I just, you know, even before this was officially announced and there were rumors that Quantic Dream were doing a Star Wars game, me mm. and you, I think even on podcasts and news were kind of like, 
oh buddy like well, well that, that is not the collaboration that i would want to see personally no that trailer when they put the eclipse the eclipse trailer is brilliant like i love yeah. the way that it seems to be about this weird mythical ancient sith who's coming out of the oil and it's like this really cool thing and that trailer was brilliant again that blonde woman meme it was like oh this is really cool this seems okay and then when it cut to the quantic dream logo i was like oh oh you've absolutely tanked that in the closing seconds of that and yeah. um, because like you said of zero faith in quantic dream still um, I don't know what their team size is, but I will, like, just as a ground level thing, I will champion ambition. I think that there's obviously, you know, a dedicated coding team, art departments, different design teams, everybody else who isn't David Cage and the other executives that are very much embroiled in all the allegations of the court case stuff. Um, they're still hardworking people, assumedly, doing their absolute best, assumedly, and I still wish them the best, assumedly. So I hope that something comes together because it's insane. Yeah. Like they're doing, you know, both of the uh, teams are working on different parts of the game and hopefully that can all come together. Story still in progress etc but if they pull it off then and it's somehow it's this incredibly written open world with dynamic uh, competitive multiplayer games <laughs> like if all that stuff works it'll be the finest thing they've ever put out but yes. i doubt it like i that's, just i doubt that's it. it man and this is like hot often i think it's a might still be a rumor at the moment or maybe they've officially mm. there was a there's a news report doing the rounds at the end of last week that they've got a second game in development which yes. was based off that ps4 tech demo that they released like oh they're putting that out with the, old, now. with the old man on Yes, 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 yes. So I, they're working on that as well. And I just think like, if you're making something this ambitious, but are already siphoning off um, resources to this other game, this other thing that you've got going on, I just think, where is the focus? Where is the kind of, where is the leadership that is needed for a game well, like this? Like, and with, I don't know. With this start in development in 2021, that's at least 2024 that, that we're going to get it, I think. Like, I mean, it's yeah. going to be only halfway through the generation. It's just, whatever. I just, I'll be amazed if that's the case. But the uh, account NGT posting everything that they know and then having it all removed is always a smoking gun. Um, and especially the speed at which it was posted and then taken down. But you never know. Speaking of things that you never know, a Pokemon, I can't really make this transition, but you, you never know <laughs> what Game Freak and Nintendo are going to do next because I'm going to drop a little bit in here about Pokemon because I've played nothing else. I've played nothing else since I got it uh, midnight Thursday night or I guess really early Friday morning. Um, and I'm now about 15 to 17-ish hours in. Now, I thought I'd just let you ask me a question. What would you like to know about Pokemon Legends Arceus? Other than that, it's absolutely brilliant, Josh Brown. I've got, a, I've got a big question, Scott. Yeah. It's, it's, it's why are you playing this game over an embargoed <laughs> game that I can't talk about? Uh, well, why, I don't know what that is, why have you I, made that decision? I certainly can't confirm anything other than we've received it, but I, I, I have no idea, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but that's the thing. Pokemon, I genuinely have, have wanted a game like this, a Pokemon game like this, for 25 years. Like I loved Red, Blue and Yellow back in 1996. Um, and the thing that kept me, that stopped me from getting really into Sword and Shield um, or the other ones over the years that we've dipped in, me and you talked about dipping back into stuff over the years and seeing what they've changed, like dipping into X and Y, dipping in, like I just, like you know, there was, um, I forgot one of the names, there was Black and White on the DS. Yeah. And then, yeah, like dipping back into Sword and Shield, I got a Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl as well, and uh, or Shining Diamond, Brilliant Pearl. And uh, they're all exactly the same. They always have the exact same pace, the exact same feel. And that thing just puts me off. Like I can play the old ones for nostalgia's sake, but if I'm going to go back to something, you know, in, in the, let's say the last five, 10 years as a window, it, they always felt sluggish. They always felt outdated. This is the first time in 25 years they've addressed all that and they've addressed everything all at once, which is kind of crazy. 
Um, but they have completely upended it. And I know that, that all that information is out there. People know that it's this big open world Breath of the Wild style thing. Um, but it's just the fact that they make so many nice little gameplay loops. Like they nail uh, playability. It is so playable on every level, like the micro and the macro. Like you are doing, you know, small scale things like collecting different um, crafting components and capturing all the different Pokemon. But you're also building to, um, you know, evolve them over time or doing the story stuff over time. You're always doing something and it's always like, well, I'll just go, pick up this satchel and that'll help me get this item that lets me buff this other thing, lets me unlock this different thing or do a side mission or whatever. And it's just, you just drink it in. Like it's one of those games that just goes and like, I I should be doing other stuff, but I, I'm just playing the Pokemon. Nah. I, mean, I just, it's all, it's all, that's all I want to do. I like that, man. I've, I've been really appreciating getting messages of you over the weekend when I was in the death throes of a terrible, terrible hangover. And you were just talking about how your your time in this game was ticking up. It was 10 hours, then it was 17 yeah. hours, and you're still in the first area. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like, Especially, you know, we've talked about a few times so far this year that we've been waiting for stuff to drop. We've been waiting mm. for stuff to properly get under our skin and, you know, get us into a world, get us completely enveloped in an experience. And I'm absolutely over the moon that pokemon has done this because you know looking online it's not it's not, it's not something that i would get into initially uh, mm-hmm. or immediately at launch but looking online and seeing how it's resonated with like you and everyone else it just feels like for a very certain section of the player base who has been waiting for change who has been waiting for a for a new version of the pokemon experience that incorporates perhaps more um modern or immediate mechanics it mm. seems to have just hit some kind of nerve in that regard. well it's like literally i mean that's the thing it's quite a most pokemon fans have been wanting a change like uh, like the vast majority i think of people have at least one issue with something that game Freak have been doing for so long and i would love like a tell-all uh you know documentary type article whatever investigation into the way that that place is run and um, because they have a new game nearly every year and like obviously the games are the linchpin of the entire ip so it's like they don't get any breathing room it's taken 25 years to free up enough breathing room to try something else and even this like you know they are absolutely shooting for the fences doing as much as they can it's still hampered a bit by you know production like there are the frame rate problems there are texture problems if they had more time and uh, the sequel will probably nail the presentation side of it better because it is going down so well but like it does feel like nintendo going like okay you can try something it's been a while we've had this bankable formula for so so long we've made billions off it okay you can try something else um, and they've gone, oh, my God, okay, fine, we'll do as much as we can. And it's, it is every single aspect of what makes a Pokemon game is completely offended in the best way possible. Um, and I, I think, as you were saying when we did the video uh, on Friday, that, like, you had this idea of an open-world Pokemon game, and that's the kind of thing that you wanted to play. And I think that if you were ever going to play a Pokemon game, it would be this. Like, I think this is, yeah. this is made to get a whole different type of fan on board or someone who just likes the idea of Pokemon but hates everything about the way that the old games played. Well, it's me, like you were sending me, you know, screenshots from the game. Uh, and even though there were sort of, you know, those those worries beforehand that the graphics might not be very good. Like I was looking at them just thinking, this looks lush, you know. Sometimes it's nice, yeah. on older hardware. Uh, sorry, no one can see this, but I've just gone very dark because my light went off in the flat <laughs> and it looked the, very spooky. When Homer Simpson's in his bedroom and it's just the eyes and the teeth. It's just this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> One yes, after it, dark. <laughs> Uh, Pokemon look, looked amazing like it looked very mm. painterly it looked gorgeous and I was just thinking like I I, I want to know what everyone else is is getting out of this I mm. want to finally have that Pokemon experience where I can't put it down because like you said you know I've dipped into so many of the games now where they didn't quite click on that level mm. so hopefully this is going to be the one 
That does it. They, you can absolutely tell, just to round this off, you can absolutely tell that they are study, have been studying the competition and they've done this game that is like a third Pokemon, like the history of Pokemon. You've still got, like, obviously the creatures are in there. You've still got the turn-based battling stuff. It's way, way faster than it's ever been before. It's one third Monster Hunter. You've got lots of little small foraging and scavenging and stuff. And the other third is a bit of Breath of the Wild, like in terms of you can go out there and just take in this tranquil world. The audio production in it is very Breath of the Wild. A few disparate piano notes and the general tranquility that comes with that uh, game. And so it has that it has that, that it's like a trifecta of those three things that I think come together really well. It still feels like a Pokemon game, but you can see what they're pulling from, and they're pulling from the absolute best competition that's out there. So yeah, I'm loving it. I think that it's massively recommended. If just if you're anything of a Pokemon fan, it's so so solid. And I like I said, there's something else I should be doing, but I'm not doing it because I, I'm playing the Pokemon. <laughs> so it's got a more stuff to do. And um, to get back on to news things though, Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two. I didn't even realize that it was the 25th anniversary of Final Fantasy VII this year. Mainly because no. I celebrate I celebrate Final Fantasy VII every year. So now that it's like come around again, <laughs> um, but there was a there's a whole bunch of celebratory celebratory stuff planned for the entire year. Um, Square Enix got out there. Yoshinori Kitase, who's the I think he's the creative director on uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two, uh, taking over from um dude whose name i've completely forgotten but he's the man who did uh, kingdom hearts and the reason final fantasy yes. 7 remake part one was so insane and um, tetsuya namura uh, was because that dude was in charge he then went okay sorry i've done a lot of things i'm stepping back yoshinoro katase uh, stepped in and so he did a um he did a statement as part of these celebrations just saying that um they didn't know if they had anything to announce he said i might not have anything else to talk about in terms of part two for the rest of the year and that was met by uh, a lot of responses saying, are you serious? And what well, are you kidding? And he said, well, we'll see what we can do. So it seems like they <laughs> are playing into the idea of maybe a shock reveal. Maybe it's out now or something like that um, coming up. <clears throat> he also mentioned Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis, which is their weird reskin of the original game, which is what a lot of people like me always wanted when we just wanted to play the original game, but with updated textures, updated character models um, and general frame rates, whatever. That's what Ever Crisis is. But at the same time, um, there's a weird gacha element to it where you can roll mm. like a mechanic and get other characters that don't turn up yet. And you can do the opening of the level, the opening of the game with like Sid and Aerith when they're not supposed to be there. And I hate that with every fiber of my being because I just want the remake with better aesthetics. But the, he said that they're focusing on Ever Crisis. Said there'll be other projects, other things to talk about across the year because the whole year is the celebration of Final Fantasy VII. Um, but what do you think of all that stuff? Because you're, you're way more casual fan than me uh, coming in yes. off the but I'm incredibly excited for the second part. Like I mm. enjoyed uh, the, the remake way more than I thought I was going to be. That was kind of like my my, my Pokemon moment that I was waiting for. You know, I was just <laughs> waiting to get into Final Fantasy, specificially Final Fantasy VII. And mm-hmm. I wasn't sure whether I was going to enjoy it, but I left that project just feeling excited and invigorated and wondering about what I'd missed in the past. And, you know, going into this new second part, I suppose you would call it, I don't know how many parts there's going to be because it's such a huge game. Neither do they. Um, they haven't got a clue. <laughs> do they? The fact that it's got a new director is also fascinating because mm. some of the things that I found most interesting without spoilers uh, in the first part of the remake was some of the stuff that they altered, some of the stuff that they changed, some mm. of the stuff that they expanded on uh, rather than just doing a straight remake in a lot of ways. And that was cool. And I don't want to see that paired back for the sequel because, Mm. you know, we're in a world now where we have all of these different reimaginings, all of these different reboots of stuff, all of these different legacy sequels. And the, 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 the ones that I find most interesting are often the ones that, you know, put the game in context when they're remaking it. And they Mm. do comment on not only the original game, but how, 
we experience the original game you know the, the memories people have of it the expectations that they have of a remake mm-hmm. and then either subvert those expectations or kind of like do something unexpected and i like that final fantasy 7 in a lot of ways did things that were unexpected and i hope that dna doesn't get lost in the second game but that's coming from someone who has no fondness for the original because i didn't <laughs> play it as a kid and still have yet to properly play it so i know i'm coming out of that from a very different perspective from the people who waited actual decades to have this game be remade now I don't have the quote on hand, but I feel like you promised me you'd replay the I mean, you'd play the original PS1 Final Fantasy VII. I I have fully intention. I have full intention, <laughs> sorry, of of definitely playing that. That is definitely on the list. It's yes. just it's just finding the time for it, man. It's just finding the time, the time to, to set some time aside and put <laughs> it's only because we've talked about this before. You put me off it. I was rip roaring ready to go to play Final Fantasy VII, but I was gonna play it on the PlayStation Classic, and you said, Josh, that, that's the worst way to play the game. That, Don't do it. That's like saying I've not seen Fight Club or some big deal movie. I was gonna watch it on my motion watch, and then you told me not to do it on there. <laughs> no, yeah, I did tell you not to do it on there because that's the worst <laughs> way to do it. It's not the same thing. <laughs> but yeah, Final okay, Fantasy uh, on the old, on the old cheeky little PS One, not the PS One Classic. That thing, I don't know what that thing is, but that's not what you should ever experience anything on. Um, but yeah, there's going to be a lot of love for Final Fantasy VII across this year. And like you said, um, the direction that the remake took was very much a living embodiment of a commentary on what Final Fantasy VII was. Um, before the word meta was getting out there a lot more than it is these days, but yeah. it, feel, it felt it was very meta. It's very directly meta. The role that Sephiroth takes is completely different. Um, there's a lot of stuff that is bold, I think largely works, um, but is only going to work if Nomura has some sort of input on what the hell he was planning from the beginning, which he is staying on as a producer. Um, and so it seems like he'll have to sort of lean in and go, not that, this is what I was doing or whatever, because the the load they blow at the end of the remake of remake <laughs> one the amount of cards they play um, is insane. Like, I am thoroughly on board for it. I love the Yuffie DLC. I thought it was a great little addendum um, to what they had before. They, they even go back to the end of the first game and they show you a bit more of what's going on there. And that's just really cool. Um, I just I just don't know. The fact that they won't say how many parts they have is terrifying because clearly they haven't mapped it out properly. Um, Nomura, like I said, just shot a load and then ran away. And now it's kind of like up to the rest of the team to go, cool we think this is what he meant or whatever. Yeah. And I like anyone who's played the remake uh, part one will know just how ludicrous and absolutely bat S the end of that thing is. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm babbling because I don't know. I just <laughs> don't know. I think I probably embody the energy inside for, uh, Square Enix right now. Anyway, um, a quick thing to end on is that Immortal Kombat 12 tweet was doing the rounds before we started recording. So I'm very quickly going to put this in at the very end of the podcast because it feels like it's not been that long since Mortal Kombat 11, but I've been an absolute maniac who plays it every other week. Whereas I think if you've not played it since 2018, it's been four years, hasn't it? Whoa, it was it that long ago? I thought it was 2018. No way, no way was it 2018. Let me that do is... the old cheeky Google, but I'm pretty... That will blow my todger off if that's 2018. <laughs> that cannot... It is April 2019. Put it back on, Josh. Brown. Okay, okay. It's good to go back on. That's that's uh, that's still a long time ago. I mean, that's, that's still, still a while. Coming up, coming up on three years since mm-hmm. that game launched. And yeah, I think, like you said, you know, that had such long legs on it. You know, we had the Aftermath DLC. We've had like a lot of um, new playable characters oh, released so for it. Mortal Kombat um, 10, yes, it was definitely. No, 11. It was 11, 11 was not, the 2019 yes. one. Yeah. yeah, Mortal Kombat 11 just kind of hasn't left the conversation. And I only personally got around to it last year, so it feels extremely fresh for me. <laughs> um, and I think this is surprising, the fact that they're working on a 12, or at least according to this tweet, mm. because presumably we should have had 
an injustice by now, or at least an injustice well, announced, because it seemed like they were taking turns beforehand, mm-hmm. doing Mortal Kombat, then doing injustice, then going back to Mortal Kombat. But now, if they're going straight to a sequel for this, who knows? Well, the thing is, the tweet that's doing the rounds is from one of the main artists at NetherRealm, talk, just generally celebrating um, the, the, all the projects they have in the works. And there is a picture of, it's like a, it's a top-down shot of the guy's desk and there is a shot of a, a piece of artwork from injustice 2 and the, the people picked up on the fact that on his screen you can see right in the corner that, that a build of mk12 was being worked on which is where the idea that you know mk12 confirmed came from um but that's not to say that injustice doesn't come first i mean like it is one of those things where like you said they've done them in tandem for the longest time and injustice 2 was brilliant like i loved that game i thought that was netherrealm's best work until mk11 came along and um, like i actually think they're, they're on a bit of a hot streak now i think it's taken them a little while um, to get fully reacquainted with what Mortal Kombat can be in the new era or the new age uh, after the reboot and all the stuff that happened in 2011. But um, MK11 was absolutely phenomenal. Like, I absolutely yeah. love that game. I love the way it ends. It's so open-ended. Um, and I love the fact that they have, uh, I mean, Mortal Kombat story spoilers, whatever. They have Liu Kang remaking the universe at the end of that game. So it's yes. literally their way of, again, meta, their way of um, saying, well, we can do whatever we want. So I want to know what that new world is that they build. Who, what's the new canon? What are the new main characters? What happens to Raiden? All that stuff. It's just so exciting, man. And like, it's funny, when, when they released um, Mortal Kombat 9 in 2011, mm. I thought, this is the pinnacle of NetherRealm fighting games. It'll never <laughs> it get better than this. And it certainly was. And I remember thinking that again for like Injustice 2. Mm. And I remember looking at Mortal Kombat um, 11 thinking, oh, they've not changed much. It looks more of the same. And then I played it and I mm. went back to the older games and I thought, I, I can't believe how much of a jump there is that still is to be made in the kind of precision of the controls, the viscerality of what you're doing. And just knowing how much of a stride they've taken over the past few years, like you said, they're on this hot streak. Mm-hmm. I just want to see what they're doing next in any form because they're on, they've, they've got something, there's something in the water over at NetherRealm <laughs> and they just can't miss at the moment. And whether that's going to be Injustice, whether that's going to be Mortal Kombat 12, I'm so here for what whatever they put out. Game that Ed Boone maybe once talked about. Yeah, and we'll maybe. see. I mean, the, the thing is with, like I said, they're on such a hot streak. The crazy thing with it is that Ed Boon has been there since the beginning. So he's had 30, uh, yeah, literally 30 years of Mortal Kombat. And so, like, if you're him, maybe you do start getting a bit sick of making the same stuff over and over again. Not making Shaolin Monks HD, though, while we're on. No. He just, just leaves it. He doesn't he put a poll out on Twitter trolling everybody saying, what do you want me to do? And everyone voted <sighs> Shaolin Monks. Didn't even address it. Didn't even want to do it. Get me Shaolin Monks HD. Just give it, give me an Ed. Eddie, <laughs> Eddie boy, come Edward, on. Me. Like you come said, on in. you've done the poll. You know there's nutters like me and Scott who would pay good yeah. money for this game. If I you're not gonna do. Do, if you're gonna do MK12, just put in Shaolin Monks HD is like a mode in it. You know do that. Should do. They should get they should do a <laughs> Well, it's just me and you here, right? They should do a little platform, a free-to-play game with like four different executables on it. Mortal Kombat kart racing, Mortal Kombat chess, Mortal Kombat, that weird Tetris thing that they did for a bit, and then put Shaolin Monks on there. I know know Shaolin Monks is an actual full game, but they've gone absolute balmy frog mad with the amount of minigames they used to do. Put them all on a little thing, put it out as the Mortal Kombat anniversary collection, whatever. I'll hoover it up, mate. Mortal Kombat chess. Dude, uh, sorry, but I'm going to have to go. My Todd just fallen off again. That sounds <laughs> unreal. I would take every single one of those, especially Mortal Kombat chess, which is the best version of chess. The Regular best. chess for fools, for boring old farts. Mortal Kombat chess 
That's peak. That's peak civilization that right there. That's peak chess. If you've not played Mortal Kombat chess, then I, I don't know what to, to, to do with you. But you should definitely go <laughs> and check it out. And Mortal Kombat car racing was a very good time. But anyway, all some of these things will come true. Some of them will just be lost to the, you know, like tears in the rain because it's gaming news. But we'll see what else <laughs> comes together between now and next week. For now, it's been The Wind-Up. I've been Scott Taylor, joined by Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Telford. Always a pleasure yourself, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.